Context is kind of important right now. It's kind of a big deal. I mean, when you say COVID context, immediately you can probably come up with a dozen things that have changed recently. Maybe some things you're totally used to by now, but other things that are still odd. Well, context is the circumstances, of course, the environment that you're in that gives definition to things. So, you know, you just think about, you know, in December, if I went into a bank wearing a mask, I'd get arrested. But now, if I go into a bank and I'm not wearing a mask, I'll get arrested. Context has changed so much. Think about the importance of context. COVID-19 changed the context that we live in so fast. Wearing a mask, normal. Not wearing a mask, you get like a total scowl from people when you're out and about. Staying at home used to be limited to agoraphobics. Now, everyone's staying at home. And if you go outside, you get a fine. Parents in the past, parents used to worry about their kids graduating college, coming home, and living in the basement, and talking to their friends online. Now, parents are helping their kids learn how to turn on the computer, log into Zoom, and talk to their friends in, online, totally enabling this behavior. This has been a hugely fast context change, which provides a unique opportunity. The unique opportunity is a reassessment of our lives. You know, how do we spend our days? What is important? What do I believe? How do I know myself? How do I know my friends? How do I know God? And feeling in this tension of COVID context change, uh, Kate emailed me or texted me after the Palm Sunday service a few weeks ago. And she texted me this, uh, I don't know, a picture with some words on it. And here's what it says. This is expressing this moment. Yes, and. Yes, and. Yes, we can feel grateful. And we can feel disappointed about things being canceled. Yes, we can enjoy extra time with loved ones. And we can feel overwhelmed by their presence. <laughs> yes, we can be help hopeful and feel like everything is falling apart. You feel these things in tension. Yes, and. Yes, you can be a source of support for others. And you can prioritize your own needs and fill up your cup. I love how these words capture the tension of the feeling these days, that we have a lot of yes and happening right now. And we, we probably always have a lot of that tension, but right now there is an extra amount that we are learning these new ways in this new context. And can I just say that these shifting sands, like the, the changes, the unknown, the uncertain future— and the deadlines and how long this goes on, those un uncertainties are uncomfortable. 
Those uncertainties are tiring. We don't like them. So today, yes, we are in an opportunity, a unique opportunity for old ways to go away and for new ways to be formed. And it's exhausting. It's tiring. Some of it's kind of ugly and unwanted. You fill in your own word of what describes your COVID context change right now. Well, we are talking about love in a pandemic. And in a pandemic, we wear our masks to prevent what comes out of me getting on you. And we wear our masks also so that maybe what comes out of you doesn't get on me. But masks do not filter your words. You know, in a pandemic, we wash our hands to get those teeny, tiny, itsy-bitsy, spiky things, virus things off our hands. But we still need our hearts cleaned. In a pandemic, we stand six feet away when we're waiting at the grocery store. But standing six feet away doesn't mean that I do not have to love my neighbor. The COVID context has changed some things, but it's not changed everything. It has not changed our humanity, that we are still people created in the image of God. We are created by God to live here and love each other and to love God. You know, and this has not changed God. God is the same. God is still our maker, creator, and sustainer. God still lifts up the sun every morning in the east. And every evening, he sets it back down in the west. You know, God is still changing the seasons. I mean, April showers are going to hopefully bring May flowers. You know, God is beginning to push up tulip bulbs that were frozen all winter and calling forth new leaves on the trees. God is still God, and God still loves us. God still cares about us. And God is still bringing us forward in history. You know, God's love persisted through every pandemic thus far in history. And God's love will persist once again through this. And we, his people, will be the ones who carry his love and bring it forward. Just as the great cloud of witnesses has done in the past and brought it today, to today for us. Well, it may not be too surprising, but Jesus did not talk about germs and viruses. But Jesus did talk about washing your hands and the words that come out of your mouth. So once a group of religious people asked Jesus, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Context, once again, is important. Context is important to understand what is this tradition that they are holding that is being broken by Jesus' disciples. 
You know, in their context, washing their hands before eating was a ritual of following God's law. And they were doing it as a religious practice. And part of the law is this concept of clean and unclean. And you may have heard that Jewish people do not eat pork because pork is an unclean meat. And if you eat pork, you become unclean. You become defiled. And then you have to do some steps to get clean again. That's all part of the tradition. You know, just a few weeks ago, I was in Jerusalem, and um, it's interesting because in the bathroom, in the sink area, uh, there's the faucet where you can wash your hands, but there's also these little jugs with two handles, uh, one for each hand. So uh, you, they fill it up with water, but then they grab the handle with one hand, pour it over this hand, set the jug down, grab the other handle with the other hand, pour it, wash that hand. It's a ritual. And some of it, of course, is just hygiene. But some of it, and a lot of it, is actually the religious ritual practice of being clean, washing your hands before you eat. I don't fully get this, but I hope that in some way that you're getting this idea that context matters. And even reading this, when it says, you know, your disciples break the tradition that context of the tradition they held is important for understanding what this is about. So as you go on, you can read this in Matthew chapter 15. And Jesus' response to these people. Jesus pushes back on them, pushes back against their tradition. Because Jesus is undoing some of the things that they grew to be more than what God intended. And Jesus is trying to bring in something new in God's grace and in a new relationship way. So essentially Jesus says, and I know this is a total paraphrase that I made up, but Jesus essentially says to them, you wear a mask to protect yourself from getting infected by other people's coronavirus. But you hypocrites, you are infecting people with your words. You are protecting yourself in this way, but what you are doing is you're infecting people from what's inside of you coming out and infecting others. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 15, starting at verse 10. Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Later, Jesus explains a little bit more down in verse 16. He says, are you so dull? Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Jumping ahead to Matthew chapter 23, Jesus makes this a little more clear, perhaps, by using the example of washing the inside and the outside of a cup. Quickly, here is this from Matthew 23, verse 25. 
Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. So love in a pandemic is saying yes to following the rules, wearing a mask, staying at home, staying six feet away, and loving your neighbor as yourself, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love in a pandemic is, yes, you are afraid. Yes, you feel anxiety. And no, you cannot just say whatever you want. From out of the heart come evil thoughts. And this is what Jesus came to die for. We celebrated the great day of Easter resurrection, that Jesus died and rose again in order to not only clean our hearts, but to actually take our heart of stone that's not even alive, that's dead, to take it out and to put into us a heart of flesh. Jesus came to make us new, to make us spiritually alive, to be responsive to God. And then for God to have a container in which he can pour his love so that we can pour it out. Some of you remember Josh Gafka, who in the early days of Platte Park Church uh, led us in worship. Josh recently said, less words, more art. Maybe he was quoting someone, but that idea has really stuck with me. There are a lot of words right now. And what we need is perhaps some more art. So this morning, I want to encourage you toward art and toward God's art in particular. I've got a picture of the Milky Way. Ah, imagine the grandeur and greatness of God looking up at the heavens at the stars. And hear these words from Isaiah 40. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name, because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. As you see that picture of the Milky Way, or if you get a chance to be outside and see the stars in the sky, to imagine the grandeur of God and to know that this is an example, that there is no end to God's affection. There's no end to God's affection. And for us to receive that right now. You know, also we're in this season of spring where flowers are starting to burst forth. Some photos that Susie took just walking in our neighborhood. A couple of photos of flowers that I took, wildflowers in Israel. But see these photos and as you are outside and see these great things that God has created, it's like God's canvas that he's painting on. Hear these words from Jesus. Why do you worry about your clothes? 
See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. More art, less words, raising our attention to God and his greatness and his goodness, his creativity, to be pulled in through art, through music and poetry and scripture and paintings and photography, just grasping these things and just holding them and letting them encourage us and letting some of the words fall away. And when words are needed, to love with our words, to love with our words, perhaps more than ever, (laughs) we need love with our words to happen. We need to be committed to speaking beauty and goodness and to be refusing to speak ugliness or harshness. You know, context matters. When I say speak words of beauty, I'm not saying we need to only talk about easy topics and pleasant things. No. We need to speak also of the hard things, the difficult things, the fears, the anxieties, and we need to speak of them with love and with gentleness. In premarital class, we talk about these extremes of candor and compassion. You know, we speak of of people who have full candor who are going to just tell you the truth, and they do not care how you feel about receiving that truth. You know, the job of the person with candor is this unreserved forthrightness. I'm just going to tell you how it is, and that's what their job is. But we know that that candor can feel harsh, It can feel cold, it can feel detached from an emotion, it can feel unkind and unloving. So that's one extreme is just full candor, but there's another extreme of full compassion, where now you are so concerned about the feelings of the other person. You're you're so tuned into how they're receiving this message that maybe you're letting the message and the truth slide away to not hurt their feelings or upset them. You know, we have these extremes of candor and compassion, and right now, more than ever, we are in a season where we need to bring those together for candor and compassion to be united so that there can be flourishing in our talking, in the words that we speak to each other. We need to say hard things, and we need to say them with compassion, with gentleness and love. So here are a few 
ideas for speaking in love in a time of pandemic. First, stop. <laughs> stop and think before you speak. Kind of a simple principle, but oh so helpful. Stop and think about what you are going to say before you say it. You know, it might be needed at times, the old saying, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And it might be helpful at other times when you don't have something nice to say, but it needs to be said. So stop and think how you can say that with gentleness and love. Second, if your heart starts racing, definitely don't speak. Maybe you've felt this. Your heart just starts beating. That is a time to stop and not speak. You know, or maybe for you, you feel this rush of heat fill your body, and you just feel warm and hot. In that feeling, let it be a marker to say, Oh, keep my mouth closed. In those moments, take a breath. Step away from the conversation. Maybe you need to say to someone, you know, can we talk about this a little later? I just need to take a little break. And gently step away from the conversation. And then re-engage that conversation when you've calmed down and are able to talk about it. You know, in that pause moment, it might be helpful to write a letter to that person or to the president whoever you're angry with, and just write out and just in that slowing down of writing, process your thoughts, process your feelings. Think about what is bugging you, why it's bugging you, and identify that. And then decide what do you need to bring back into that conversation. It might be that just simply writing that letter is good and now you can throw that away. Third, reflect on what God, what does God have to say about this? What does God have to say about this situation? And I feel like we're pretty good at coming up with things to support our own, like, position. You know, we, we have these emotions, and we can come up with reasons to support those emotions, back them up with arguments. But if we pause and stop filling in the support for our emotions, to pause and make time for those emotions maybe to, to, to settle down so that our heads can take in something else, to think more clearly. And maybe this is then the moment to consider, what, what God, do you have to say to me about this? You know, I know these moments of anxiety that ramp up when I just get overwhelmed and taken over. And I start creating lots of stories. I'm just filling in all the details, making stuff up. But what is helpful is to pause, quiet my mind, and then try to take in something of God and God's thoughts. And maybe that's looking at these photos of creation to re be reminded of the grandeur and the goodness of God. Or to take a walk and to see the flowers coming up and to be reminded that God cares about these flowers. He has made them and brought them. Or to hear a song 
and listen to the lyrics of the song and let the music still and soothe your soul, but also to be bringing in those thoughts into your mind. Or maybe it would be helpful in this time when we have extra time to memorize a passage of Scripture, like from Psalm 40, or Isaiah 40, verses 25 to 26. To whom can you compare me? And to let your thoughts lift higher to God. Fourth, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. You know, it's always this funny idea that you have something on your face and you don't know it, but you bump into somebody and if they're bold enough, they will tell you, hey, you have pizza on your face. Just wipe that off. And if they're not bold enough to tell you, they're just going to let you go on your day with pizza on your face. In these moments right now, we need reflection back to us. You know, how do I sound when I'm talking about that person? How do I sound when I'm complaining about these things? And for somebody to give you a reflection so that you can see yourself. James writes this in his letter. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like, someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Use this time right now as an opportunity to invite people into your life to say, how do you experience me? And for you to, in a place of humility, receive what they have to say. And finally, fifth, speak God's love. Use your word for blessing. You know, these days it seems much easier to complain about things and, and to just be negative vent, and slide into negative words. I kind of think recently that this is a lot like high school after taking an exam. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to complain about how hard the exam was and how ridiculous the teacher was to give us that exam. And it's much actually harder to say, well, I studied hard for the exam and I thought it was easy. Like, nobody wants to say the good, the easy, It's much easier to complain and talk about the negative. So take this time to set aside some of the complaint and pick up the blessing. You know, I imagine that there are words that do roll through your head of kindness, of noticing someone, of appreciating something about someone or something they've done. As those thoughts roll through your mind, please speak those things. Let those out of your mind, out to the world, to bless others. You know, we are following God in this season, just like we've followed God all along. It is still true that God loves us, and he wants to live this life with us. 
and that God wants us to be in community. Even if we're gathered, scattered, we're still in community. And we're still letting the whole world know that God is here, and God is paying attention, and God loves us. So be that light, be that salt to the earth these days. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we trust in your great goodness. There is such a tension between yes and these other things. Help us hold both of those things these days with your grace. Help us give to others grace. Help us receive the grace for ourselves that we need. I pray that we would walk in your ways no matter what the obstacle brings our way. Pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.